Thanks, Karen, for reading. Um, you'll be pleased my sermon this morning is shorter than usual uh, to make space for that slut about Lent. Uh, but let's pray for God's help as we come to his words. Lord Jesus, thank you for these, your words, living words that you speak to us today. Please give us ears to listen, hearts that are open and wills ready to believe and to live out what you say. For your glory we pray. Amen. Uh, there's a, an outline of um, what I'm going to be saying. If you want to follow along. And let me ask you this question as we start. Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? Uh, you may recognize that as the title of the Spice Girls hit, or if you're lucky, you won't. Um, or you might recognize it as the name of the TV show where celebrities trace their ancestry to try and find out more about their identity. But how would you answer that question? Who do you think you are? How do you define yourself? Is it through your ancestry, your heritage, your family? Is it through your achievements? Maybe you define yourself on the basis of your failures. What we need to realize is what you believe about your identity, what you believe about who you are, will flow out in how you live and what you do. In the passage we're looking at this morning, Jesus is talking to his followers about who they are. You see, as followers of Jesus, we have a new identity, an identity that goes deeper than anything else, deeper than culture or family, deeper than our education or occupation, deeper than our marital status or our gender or our sexual orientation, deeper than our achievements and our failures. And it's crucial that we grasp this identity that we have in Christ so that we can live that identity out to the glory of God. We began looking at the Sermon on the Mount last week and we said there that the central theme of Jesus' sermon is the kingdom. Jesus is laying out his kingdom manifesto, if you like. He's describing what it looks like to live in his kingdom, what it means to live under his good rule. We saw last week in the Beatitudes that the members of Jesus' kingdom are characterized by bankruptcy. They're people who acknowledge their spiritual bankruptcy, that in themselves they have nothing to commend them to God. Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to your cross I cling. They're also characterized by bruising. Jesus says, blessed are the persecuted. Then turns to his disciples and addresses them directly and says, blessed are you when people insult you and revile you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. See, following Jesus will mean conflict with the world. It will mean some bruising, some persecution. So members of the kingdom are bankrupt and they're bruised. They're also blessed. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. If you're a follower of Jesus, the kingdom of heaven belongs to you. Those who mourn will be comforted, will inherit the earth. If we hunger and thirst for righteousness, we'll be filled, satisfied. We'll be shown mercy. We'll see God, we'll be called children of God's. 
What we learn in the verses we're looking at this morning is that followers of Jesus are not only blessed, they're also a blessing. Jesus uses two images to describe his followers, salt and light. Let me say, I don't think we know exactly what Jesus had in mind, particularly when he used the image of salt. Was he talking about salt as a preservative, and so his followers are meant to you know, stop the world's decay? Or salt as seasoning, and we're meant to bring some flavor and zest to the people around us? When it comes to light, in Jesus' day, no electricity. Light was really precious, whether it was light in the house or the lights from a city on a hill, it relieved the darkness and brought new hope. But though we may not know the details of quite what Jesus had in mind, these two images together point to the fact that our lives as followers of Jesus are to have an impact on the world around us. So yes, we may face bruising, but our lives are also to bring blessing. Notice that Jesus doesn't say, try and be salt and light. This isn't something for us to do or to become. It's who we are. It's similar to what Jesus said in chapter 4. Come follow me and I will make you fishers of people. It's who we are now. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. So I've got three points on your sheets, really three implications from these verses. Firstly, the world needs us. Now, it seems a bit arrogant, doesn't it? Hey, you need me. Um, But I think it's an implication of what Jesus says. He's saying, you are the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. Without salt and light, there'll be decay and darkness. Now, of course, what the world really needs is Jesus. But Jesus, in his strange wisdom, has chosen to use us, chosen to make himself known to the world through his people. Jesus is the light of the world, but he says, you are the light of the world. The world needs us, and therefore we need to be in the world, not hiding away in a holy huddle. We need to be engaged with the world, bringing to the world the blessing that it so desperately needs. Nicky Gumbel, the author of uh, The Alpha Course, says Christians need to be salt and light in their work environments. That's why we shouldn't give up working in a secular environment unless we're specifically called out of it. We're called to have an influence in the office, the factory, the hospital, the shop, or wherever it is we're working. This is where frontline ministry takes place. It's a helpful reminder, isn't it? Yeah, I'm sometimes described as a minister. I've been called into ministry. But what does the Bible say? That Jesus appoints leaders in the church to equip God's people for ministry. So you're the ministers. You're the ones on the front line in your workplaces, in your school or uni, in your neighborhood, wherever it is that you rub shoulders with people in the world. I don't know how you think about what you do day to day. You might feel that it's not very significant in God's economy, but 
can you see that what Jesus says here means whatever you do, you are salt and you are light. And that is absolutely central to God's purposes in the world. The world needs us. We need to be in the world, engaged with people. Secondly, the world needs us to be different. The thing that salt and light have in common is that they stand out. When Jesus talks about salt losing its saltiness, I don't think he's trying to you know, um, contradict chemistry that I understand would say salt can't lose its saltiness. Uh, I think he's talking about salt being kind of mixed with other substances like sand or dirt, getting so um, kind of watered down to change metaphors um, that it kind of loses its distinctiveness and therefore is of no purpose at all. So it is, if disciples of Jesus lose their distinctiveness, then we'll cease to be able to fulfill our purpose. The, the great danger for all of us is that we blend in it may be in seeking to be in the world, we, we blend in with the world. But the world needs us to be different. Yes, that will bring us into conflict, but it's the only way that will be a blessing. I wonder if you've heard the story of the police officer in London who in his final exam, uh, trainee police officer, final exam, is asked to imagine this scenario. You're on patrol in outer London when an explosion occurs in a gas main in a nearby street. On investigation, you find that a large hole has been blown in the footpath and that there is an overturned van lying nearby. Inside the van, there's a strong smell of alcohol. Both occupants, a man and a woman, are injured. You recognize the woman as the wife of your divisional inspector who is at present away in the United States. A passing motorist stops to offer you assistance, but you realize he's a man who's wanted for armed robbery. Suddenly, another man runs out of a nearby house, shouting that his wife is expecting a baby, and the shock of the explosion has made the birth imminent. Another man is crying for help, having been blown into an adjacent canal by the explosion, and he can't swim. Bearing in mind the provisions of the Mental Health Act, describe in a few words what actions you would take. The police officer thought for a moment, picked up his pen, and wrote, I would take off my uniform and blend in with the crowd. <laughs> it's all too easy, I think, for us to blend in and lose our distinctiveness. But Jesus calls us to be different. The light that Jesus tells his disciples to shine is their good deeds. Now, normally, good deeds have the effect of drawing attention to the person doing them. We do something good and people... Jesus is calling us to live lives that cause people to give glory to our Father in heaven. So what is the distinctiveness Jesus has in view? What, what kind of good deeds, what kind of life will cause people not to think highly of us, but to give glory to God? Well, in the context, I think it must be a life that embodies the Beatitudes that Jesus has just been outlining it's to be a people who are living the fact that we've got nothing, but God has given us everything. It's a life characterized by grace. And notice that Jesus is speaking here to his disciples corporately. He's saying that you, plural, are the salt of the earth. You, plural, are the light of the world. 
He's saying that together as a community, we have this identity and purpose. He's saying you're to be a community that embodies the characteristics of the kingdom. An alternative society, a city within the city. A community saturated by grace, displaying humility and mercy and purity and peacemaking. This is essential to our Christian witness. Yes, we need to speak. We need to share the good news. We'll come on to that. But we mustn't neglect the witness of our lives, and especially our life together as we embody the members of Jesus' kingdom. People should look in at the church and say, wow, Jesus' kingdom is beautiful. I want to be part of it. So what do you pray with me this week? That Jesus would grow us as a community that lives and breathes these characteristics of the kingdom. The world needs us, needs us to be different. Thirdly, briefly, needs to know why we're different. See, if people just see our good deeds, if they see our lives, see us embodying the values of the kingdom, but, but never hear why we live the way that we do, I don't think there's much chance of them giving glory to God. If we never talk about our Christian faith, never you know, talk about our relationship to Jesus and who we are as his followers, well, people will see our good deeds, but they won't praise God. They need to hear about the God who inspires the lives that we live. They need to hear the gospel motivation for what we do. We show mercy to others because we've received so much. We pursue peace and reconciliation because God has reconciled us to him. The world needs us. It needs us to be different. It needs to know why we're different. Let me finish with a quote from a sermon given by Martin Luther King Jr. In it, he talks about his own funeral. He says, If any of you are around when I have to meet my day, I don't want a long funeral. If you get somebody to deliver the eulogy, tell them not to talk too long. Every now and then I wonder what I want them to say. Tell them not to mention that I have a Nobel Peace Prize. That's not important. Tell them not to mention that I have three or four hundred other awards. That's not important. Tell them not to mention where I went to school. And any quotes from this old spiritual hymn. If I can help somebody as I pass along, if I can cheer somebody with a word or song, if I can show somebody who's traveling wrong, then my living will not be in vain. If I can do my duty as a Christian ought, if I can bring salvation to a world once wrought, if I can spread the message as the master taught, then my living will not be in vain. Jesus says to you and me, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Let's pray. Jesus, you are the light of the world, and yet you say that we are too. Please help us by your Spirit to grasp this identity and to live it out. 
Please help us to live closely to you, Lord Jesus, so that we might bring something of your light and love to the people that we encounter in our days and weeks. We pray in your name. Amen.